There is a fifth dimension. A dimension of sound. Damn it, Frank! We tell him to be quiet. I spill my hot cup of Uranus again. A dimension of sight. Hey, Arch. I'm gonna sock you in the puss. A dimension of mind. Man, Adams, is that you? Ah! Ah! Next stop, the Twilight Zone. What's going on, everyone? And welcome to the Fifth Dimension of Twilight Zone podcast. Uh, of course, I am your host, Nick. We're here, of course, to talk to the Twilight Zone, Rod Stoyne's well-respected, beloved uh, you know, TV series that came out in the 60s. Uh, as we were recording this, why this is that day, I have no idea, but apparently this is national twilight zone day it could have been july 4th or january 1st had to be may 11th um i figured that would be like a star wars day or something like that but no happy twilight zone day people uh yeah celebrating yeah. in your own when your own traditions mm-hmm. um yeah yeah we're, sure. we're, we're recording an episode in in uh you know in in observance of that absolutely that's yeah, that's that's what we're doing. <laughs> we're not just doing a weekly. It's not a weekly thing anymore, people. It's a national celebration of podcasting right. of the Twilight Zone. There should be no more podcasts because we're doing a special celebration of it. But exactly. anyways, right. But anyways, we're on audio feeds, Anchor, SoundCloud, uh, Bootsy Collins, uh, Bootsy iTunes. Collins. I don't know. Cloris Leachman. Cloris Leachman. Uh, what, uh, what was it? Patsy Klein, whatever the dude wanted to listen to, he couldn't listen to. Oh, Perry Como. Uh, oh, Perry Como, yes. Uh, yeah. Well, so, anyways, we're on those audio feeds. Three-headed beavers. Redhead beavers. Uh, yeah. Vibrators. Whatever you want to call it, we're on those podcast feeds. Uh, but as we Martin. do, we're good. Yeah, that, right? Very, very nice lady, by the way. I met her before. She's very nice. Wait, who is this again? Dolly Parton. Oh, Dolly Parton. Yeah, I heard she's a really she, nice person. She came into one of my restaurants. Aw. Nice. The really genuine, most genuine, famous person I've ever met. That's cool, and you've met your fair share. And she, well, I, I, I did meet quite a few, but um, she was definitely the, she was the real deal. She was straight up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who were we talking about again? What, is this? Wait, what? We're oh talking yeah, we're talking about... Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, because because it is Twilight Zone Day nationally. That's right. So that's why we talk about the Joker and Dolly Parton. All that yeah, absolutely. Stuff, so. Yeah. Um. Anyways. As you can see, I have my my usual co-host here, Jacob and Triv. How the hell are you guys? Uh, yeah, I should explain for real quick uh, before they start talking, because, of course, I want to introduce them, but I want to go into a diatribe. I tried posting that fucking video with Raymond, and I feel really bad because I couldn't get that shit to upload. Have you guys had this problem before where you upload a video? It takes, it takes forever, forever to process. And, and it doesn't work. Nope. I've had, uh, it's been a while, but I had it happen when I used to do my show. Well, no, it was before that show. It was when I used to do my old podcast. It happened. Actually, it rolled all the way up because I used to premiere that. It rolled all the way up to the premiere and it was still going. I was like, well, it's been processing for like 15 hours. I'm sure it's oh. going to it's going to go. Nope. Ran up on the uh, the premiere and there was like, man, it was uh -huh. like a lot of people, too, for my show. It was like 20 people in there waiting on it and it never started. And I was oh, like, no. All right. <laughs> So yeah, I just consider it, yeah, it yeah. karma, uh, Nick, for you trying to take over my theater space. I don't know what you're talking about. I have the deed and everything for it. So you know, I'd like to see this apparent deed. Um, I'll have to get back to you on that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, how are you guys doing? 
uh last week's episode was pretty awesome i i think it was one of our better episodes because uh we actually found an episode that we liked so it was kind of nice yeah and raymond was way cool so yeah 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 i talked to him uh he's like real thankful about coming on which like i said we're 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 a small podcast so anybody comes on to our podcast is just say okay absolutely we love everybody we are the biggest twilight zone podcast featuring three people being named nick jake and triv (laughs) right right that's quite the call to fame i'll tell you what the number one podcast in that that's right niche (laughs) <laughs> i mean right i mean you gotta be careful we gotta think happy thoughts anyway so you know uh, you know what screw that i'm wishing you all into the cornfield i'm gonna turn one of you guys into a jack-in-the-box i'd like to see about. you try bastard very bad girl <laughs> oh baby <laughs> uh anyway. you guys need a moment hey. no uh, yeah no <laughs> jacob go disappear no I'm just uh anyway so what were we talking about uh <laughs> Twilight Zone. Field. You should, <laughs> How is you the cornfield? You should have exploded first. That'd be funny. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we Damn got uh, ornithologist and <laughs> Jacob disappearing into the ether as he explodes. <laughs> but why a cassuary? I don't understand. Yeah, why is he? Like why it. is he like Chicken Boo from Animaniacs? Because Chicken Boo is awesome. <laughs> Maybe. Is that, Boo? is that where chocoboos came from from final fantasy i don't think so from the know. animaniacs i would that would be awesome if that was true if like think, that's I where they Chocoboos got the are older than animaniacs but i could be wrong oh, yeah probably well i mean what came first the chicken of the chickaboo or the chocoboo or chocoboo chickaboo chocoboo which one was it exactly sounds like a beginning of a racist joke Somebody is listening to this in their car going, okay, what else is on? Well, I put it this way. If if they're 73, what are we, 73 episodes in now? If they're like 73 episodes into this podcast, this is what turns it off. I I just don't understand you. We've done worse. <laughs> oh, we've, we've done, done way, way worse. worse. <laughs> we, we used to be a ha- clean we... podcast until Trip came on. You know that was like episode on one. The first episode. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're never clean, man. Yeah. I don't know us us doing the whole Beavis and Butthead thing during uh, Mr. Beavis. If that didn't put people off, I think we're okay. Yeah, I'll go with that. We'll go with that. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, um, yeah, Bing, yeah. So Bing. we're here. Fire. We we're are Australian. <laughs> yeah. Cornfields. Cornfield. I'm yeah. just trying like to postpone this opening yeah. narration. Oh, it's coming. It's coming real soon. That's what I'll she said. What. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Coming, right. coming real soon. Yeah. Jacob's coming um, to your city. So, anyways, <laughs> at, at this point, everybody's like, fuck this. And walk and listen to like about? whatever rival <laughs> podcast. So the episode we are talking about today is considered one of the classic episodes of the Twilight Zone. Uh, one of the darkest episodes of the Twilight Zone. Uh, makes me not want to have kids because I'm afraid of psychic powers. Uh, <laughs> this is maybe where Stephen King got his inspiration for Firestarter. I'm not entirely sure. I think it is. I, I think. I think if I remember right, he got inspiration for this for this episode. Anyways, someone got inspiration probably for this and had kids, and that's where the world is shit right now. But uh, anyways, oh sure, blame the kids. I mean, 
I'm blaming all kids. Have you not watched a horror film? Every horror film has kids in it and they're all fucking evil. Yeah, and horror films also have adults in them too. Yeah, but have you watched Children of the Corn? Trey? I have. Have the you watched the twenty three one? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the devil incarnate. I haven't watched that, but I know. True horror. Yeah. <laughs> you make yeah. it it's truly horrible. With that said, as you could tell, we're talking about season three, episode eight, which is called, called It's a Good Life, uh, directed by James Sheldon, written by Rod Serling, based off the... It's a good life after all. It's oh, a not good for this life family. after all. It's a good life after all. It's a good, good life. And that is the rendition of Triv's It's a Small World, and I want to kill myself now. <laughs> uh, anyways, this is based off a story from Jerome uh, Bixby. Uh, same title production code 4801 air date November 3rd 1961 of course this stars Bill Mummy as Anthony Fremont Cloris Reachman John Larch uh, Max Shawalter Alice Frost Gene Bates and somebody else some other people so there's number a lot of seven a... the Larch number seven the Larch <laughs> Bill Mummy <laughs> still acting till this day yeah uh yeah yeah is he like one of those child stars that you see on VH1 or something like that? Uh, or like like the stuff he got later on wasn't as successful as like this. Well, when I heard his name, I was like, that name's really familiar. What do I know him from? So I started looking and I went down a rabbit hole. Oh shit! And uh, I was there things he's in, but none of it was like, oh, that's the one. You know, like when you're looking for when you hear somebody's name or see him, and you're like, I've seen them somewhere before. I've heard of them or whatever. And you get to looking and like you'll come across something like a movie you're like uh familiar with, but you're like, no, that's not it. That's not what I know him from. And I couldn't figure it out. And I still never did figure it out. However, I did see that he was in a movie called Double Trouble that featured the Barbarian twin Bar- Barbarian Brothers. I don't know if you're familiar with them from the 80s. Oh, I thought you were just say the like the Olsen twins or the Barbarian twins. Or <laughs> no, the Barbarian Brothers, uh the the Thespians, 80s Thespians. Now, where I am, and I'm familiar with Double Trouble, I think their names are Peter and David Paul. They're these big muscular guys, and they kind of, they always, they're twins. Um, I think they're twins. They look alike, so I'm going to go with twins. Uh, But, like, they were in a movie that, to this day, I love, and it is fucking terrible, but nobody ever knows it, and it's called Think Big. Bill Mummy's not in it. But they're in it, and he was in a movie with them. (laughs) I strongly recommend anybody check out Think Big. Came out in 1990. Directed by John Turtletop. Oh, nice. Has... The director of National Treasure and fucking the kid. Yeah. and um... Fucking the kid. Okay. Well, First off. <laughs> it has <laughs> it has uh, uh, David Carradine's in it. Martin Mull's in it. Uh, a bunch of other people that you've seen. Don't know their names, though, probably. Uh, they're in it, but it has an epic uh, uh, theme song. I just remember from a kid, he just goes, think big. <laughs> yeah. Think big. That's... They're truck drivers. I mean, it's, I never said it was a tour de force. Okay. I loved it when I was a kid. It came out in 1990. I would have been 10 or 11. Nice. Good. I was going to say, uh, Bill, Bill Mummy was uh, in, um, oh, uh, the Lost in Space. He yeah. was, yeah, Will, he was the what's his nuts? Yeah, yeah, that's what I um, yeah I, I did see that. That's what I know him from is Lost. In- he's Ooh, also uh, a main character in Babylon Five. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think he's more uh, which, popular with his TV work than his films. His films, he was in some big movies, but I don't think he had predominant roles. Mm. So he was in the 1990 Captain America movie. Oh, nice. Yeah, I remember renting that thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's the best Captain America we had before 2012. It's the, well, not the only, actually. There's another one where he rides around and looked like Evil Knievel. But uh, yeah, it, it was better than that one. I'll give you that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also, they did a follow-up to this uh, in 2000, in the 2000s when they did when they did Twilight Zone. And it was the uh, longest record between um, the television episode and its sequel. It was like 41 years right. and some odd months. Oh, they actually right. did like a, a, not a remake, but a follow-up? Yeah, yeah, his so daughter. Was, he has a daughter that has psychic abilities. Which who's Who gonna bang that? Yeah, <laughs> I like that we both went there at the same time. <laughs> Genuinely, though, like what I mean, I, I guess as he got older, you know, he he got you know hormones and all that, and I mean, it wouldn't be hard when you can make people do whatever the hell you want. Oh, dude, yeah. can you imagine their sex? Yes, uh, <laughs> Anthony, that was good. You're not smiling. Why aren't you wet? Oh, yes. Why are you good. crying? <laughs> Why are you crying after sex? Why don't you want a cigarette? Wish her the uh, corn. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. A lot of corn. Triv, is this episode set in, uh, set in uh, Iowa? No, it's set in Ohio. They say it yeah. off the start. It must mm-hmm. be it's a good Freaking episode, though. degenerates. Yes. Yes. Actually, it's ironic that there's a lot of uh, horror f- property set in Ohio, like Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, I, I don't get it. I don't get what's so exciting about Ohio. There's nothing that's the thing separate. it's not exciting that's your, why horror your, movies your there. <laughs> hey we have bob evans in white castle and, and so Boy. does chicago so do we. <laughs> yes anyways we're going off on tangents i need to, i need to bring us back on track okay um hey, on target. so <laughs> back on target. yes yes so uh it's a good life is once again a well-regarded well-beloved episode We'll discuss because we have a different feeling of taste when it comes to the Twilight Zone. Uh, thanks to Jacob now like pointing us in an interesting direction of how episodes play out, which I appreciate because it allows us to find episodes that we wouldn't normally watch and wouldn't normally like. like. So uh, anyways, that and do we- there's a think big connection. So, I mean, Is there- yeah, yeah. <laughs> we always got Jacob for the the uh, strange Sporting. trivia. Triv is always the trivia of like good knowledge. Jacob is just, just hey, she you has, remember that movie? Tri- she has trivia that makes sense. Well, <laughs> it's not it. really. I have trivia that I'm like, hey guys, guess what? I like went down a rabbit hole and found <laughs> this this movie. Hey, four four ways removed from this other totally unrelated thing. <laughs> so it's like the Kevin Bacon. We're like the Kevin Bacon of uh, yeah. Twilight or podcast, man. Exactly. No, but I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say we all remember this episode. For the most part, this is a memorable episode. I mean, am I wrong? I think it'd be hard pressed not to. Even if you didn't remember like the ins and outs of this episode, you've seen it somewhere in pop culture. It's like Star Wars or anything else. You may not be familiar with the base property, but some part of it will have hit you along in the cultural zeitgeist. I remember very vaguely as it started with the little boy and all that, our Bill Mummy. I was like, okay, yeah, I remember I have watched this. I remember more the movies version of this. Right, right. Um, I remember that one vividly. 
Yeah, because that t- I was telling Trip before you came on, Jacob. I appreciate. I actually prefer that version more than I prefer this one, just because of the Looney Tunes style nature and the Joe Dante style weirdness. That's just me. It doesn't make this a bad episode. I just I, I appreciate that one more because well, yeah. it's more more visceral to me personally. And it could show more. And uh, the end, which we'll get to, and I'm not gonna spoil. Not that I need um total closure, but let's be real, you don't get a tremendous amount. I was surprised by that. That surprised me about this one. The closure or like thereof in the episode is kind of like, oh, okay. And he it's even part of the uh, closing narration too of <laughs> yeah, hey. Well that... <laughs> purgatory, yeah, man. Right. It's basically purgatory. This is <laughs> this is life. <laughs> You're like, right, oh, shit. We're not getting any kind of okay. Nope. Well, I actually got to ask you guys that question. Is there is there any uh, meaning behind this episode? Like, you always, we always find like a a thing that this episode is or the episode is presenting, like whether fear or hysteria. Do you think this is an episode that has uh, don't have kids because they will turn out evil? <laughs> or Honest, honestly, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, do you guys have any ideas? Honestly, watching this one and especially, and maybe it's more of the modern perspective as compared to a 1960s perspective, or maybe it's more so then but you look at the fact that uh anthony was never told no and i think you could play that as you know this is what happens when you you know don't when you spoil your kids like i could see that kind of mm-hmm. taking it sort of oh yeah sure. i mean oh, no i was gonna say you know working at convenience stores and working at places where kids go to movie theaters you see it stuff like this where the parents, the kids will start yelling and screaming. And I know, Jacob, I'm sure you've had to deal with this, too, as having, you know, multiple kids where you have to put them in their place because they are acting a fool as, a, you know, just, you know, acting stupid. And, you know, these people, as we as we'll learn, uh, refuse to do that. But then again, they have it all like an ulterior motive and stuff like that. So, well, and how many people before them tried and learned the consequences of dealing with an all powerful kid? I, I, you know, I honestly was watching it. I was kind of just watching it face value. And I was probably doing, not probably, I was doing more comparing of this one to the one I am most familiar with from the movie. But yeah, when you say, as soon as you said that about, you know, kids never being told, no, I was like, yep, that's the, par- that's, that's the parallel here. Yeah. It sure seems to be. Yeah. I mean, it's a heightened, obviously, fan- fantasyful version of that, but definitely that's what it is and i don't know what the 60s like yeah no exactly and i think you know we have a slightly different perspective on this compared to what you would have seen in the 60s as far as like that would have been like the oh that's that one yuppie couple that you know they don't they don't um they they prescribe to you know dr spock or whatever kind of a thing you know as far as raising their kids but i i do wonder like and i i've not like this is based off of a short story which i i didn't look up but i i do wonder like how it was perceived at that time like if it was a spoiled kid thing or if it, if it was something else that they saw i mean it could be the fear it could be also as i look in the book it could also be a kind of like a the fears of a parent not be able to handle a child maybe a little bit you i know, could see that you know i'm not saying like every parent is like that but every parent i, I don't know jacob you th- you're the one that has kids in this podcast did mm-hmm. you when you first had your first kid did you like fear that you weren't gonna be a good father I don't. I was twenty. It's kind of young and dumb. That's okay. I mean, I guess uh, yeah, sure, a little bit. But for me, I, I mean, I won't. And I guess everybody's different. It kind of it happened, and then it was like I. I think leading up to it, yeah, I was like, oh shit, what am I? Gonna, I'm about to have a child. I'm about to have a 
human being I made that I'm responsible for. Now, 20 years old, almost, I was about to be 21. And uh, then it happens and it's kind of like, okay, yeah, let's do this. And I just kind of did it. So I didn't really give it much thought after that. I got, I thought about it later in life. Did I do the right thing? <laughs> did I make the right decisions? So I think that, yeah, yeah, sure. As a parent, you always, you're, you're always going to question that, especially yeah. as your kids do dumbass things. <laughs> it's every kid. Um... Yeah. You wonder, did I do something to lead them to that? <laughs> right. No, that's fair. I had another thought too. And I, I, I don't know if you'd look at them as like, because you, know, you think about like the understanding that a kid has, you know, like he's like, oh, I made a monster. Or, oh, I, I made a three headed um, gopher or whatever. Like a kid's imagination running wild. And I wonder too, like, because we don't really, like you said, we don't, the way it ends is very different. And maybe this is something more for down the way. But do you think you could actually have like, because everybody that does quote wrong or quote, you know, outside the box stuff gets their karma either for good or for bad how would you do that like at that time and place i don't think you can do that with a kid you couldn't say well you know this kid got you know bitch slapped because you know he did he wished away all these people and you know turned the you know animals into crazy creatures and stuff like you can't that there's there's things you couldn't do in in tv back in that time like any kind of retribution on that kid well, you can't. I guess you can't say that though, because the one kid, um, from from the episode with the grandma who died, like he tried to kill himself. Yeah, uh, not I meaning mean, to, but I don't even think that that's because like, like you really got me to thinking with the whole like telling the kid don't tell your kids no thing. Because I feel pretty strongly about that, like discipline oh, yeah. of children. I've like I've seen how in our society it's been declining as far as like people are afraid to discipline their kids nowadays. Right. And for rightfully so to some degrees. And uh, I mean, there's a difference in discipline and, you know, abuse. <laughs> but right. uh, that line, I think, I don't think the line has changed, but I think the perception and uh, uh, people are scared that they're going to be accused of that. And God knows what will happen. But uh, and, and because of that, kids aren't being disciplined properly. I'm not even talking about beating the shit out of your kid. I'm just disciplined. Not telling kids no. And last generation, it got real bad. And now that generation's having kids, and we're seeing that a lot more. Kind of lost my train of thought. I don't know where I was going with that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I do think, especially from back then in the 60s, man, I mean, yeah, they would, I feel like they would discipline kids and they would like, I think this was not really, tr- I know where I was going. I, was, I don't think this episode was really trying to show like a complete story as far as like, hey, if you have a kid that's not been disciplined, and, you know, never told no and gets whatever they want, they turn into an unholy terror. It wanted to show that. It didn't want to show, hey, here is a kid who's never been told no and and, get, and he's an unholy terror. We've all known one, and he's going to get his comeuppance. It's not that. It's right. when you do that, I think it's trying to show you that when, when that happens, it's really hard to get that turned around. And that just might be what it is. That's the future. Yeah. That's what that kid, that kid's not going to change. Because I've known a lot of kids that are like that. Uh, yeah, they just they they're it's really hard to turn that kind of stuff around. Not impossible, but it is hard for people. Most people don't do it. And those kids go off to be not great human beings. And, yeah, I, I see it all the time. It's just, it's, I hate to talk about kids, but let's be real. Kids are just future adults. <laughs> and yeah, that's true. We won't have a they're problem calling that adult an asshole. So you know what, kid, you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and they turned and out true. to be what's his face? And uh, yeah, it's, it's lots of words. 
Dennis. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, no, actually, I, I was looking at what you guys were talking. I was looking at the book. Apparently, uh, Rod Sterling wrote the script before buying the uh, IP for this, which is interesting because usually it's the opposite. You buy the IP and then you write the story. Uh, and dangerous. this was the first. Wow. Might be wasting yeah. time and work. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Right. Which uh, I know some people who do that waste time and work when it comes to writing. Uh, but it was the first script written for the season, which I found interesting. And apparently the uh, writer, the companion, also wrote for Sliders, which I thought was kind of interesting, too. Oh, the show Sliders? Space. Yeah, the show Sliders. Uh, but he apparently interviewed Bill Mummy about it, talk about his history with like the show and how you know how it affected him and stuff like that as a kid. And it, it's interesting. Like there are some points, like the companion. I, I have to. I don't know how you feel about the companion trip, but I think sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad when it comes to like ex- like there's there's not enough information. This book should yeah. be like a thousand pages long. It feels like a, a like a, a dummy's guide almost. I would agree. I think that it definitely. Yeah. But you know, it's one of those things too, where like. To be able to write something like that, yeah, there's going to be a certain level of interest, but right. how far do you go in? You know, well, like, I, mean, I, find, but, I find with some of those things, I don't have this yeah. book you guys talk about, but I I know what type of book it is, and I've had books like that that are kind of like all encompassing of things like this. Sometimes there's just not as much information about certain things, and I that feel like true. they do just pad it out in some places. I don't know if that's what you guys are talking about, but like. Yeah, kind of like yeah, they yeah. don't want to just have like this big long like Wikipedia diatribe of like uh, of this one episode and then the next one's like one sentence. Here's a blurb of what it's about and then move on. So they do try and like throw as much as they can in there. So well, the other thing a, is too that retro retrospectively because this was written. I I I don't have it in front of me. Like say it was written in 2010, you can still go back and like ask people about the things that happened previously. But sometimes those stories, especially for the for the episodes that were, you know, more run of the mill, there may just not be that much to tell outside of the norm of the thing. I mean, yeah, yeah you could say there could be more about, yeah, you could say more about like, Oh, you know, this was the basis for the story for this, you know, this, that, the other thing, you know, this actor did this, that actor did that. But I don't know. I feel like there's so much online that you have to kind of keep it even in 2018, you know, people, people's attention spans were what they were and a lot of that information that's basic i mean how much of the information like that you could find on you know wikipedia or imdb you know so it is yeah, kind I of think, balancing those two things i think they should just uh write word for word what we say because we're always correct on oh information absolutely. We provide. Yeah. absolutely number one yeah number i know one. i never <laughs> read from wikipedia Three people sure, Jake yeah. and nick i mean you know yeah it's tough being at the top <laughs> exactly it's it be is the king, but you know we're like in the the tower of the perchance to dream episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we have the fever. I'm telling you, all we need is some cowbell. Fever for more Oof. cowbell. Oof, That's man. right. Um, Amen. With that said, we are like the last episode, 25 minutes in before we start, actually start the episode. Um, <laughs> I'm not joking. When when I was looking today, when Jacob actually read the opening narration, it was 25 minutes into the episode. It was wow. great. Uh, but no, anyways. So like I said as raymond alluded to there's always those episodes you would see like the eight o'clock seven o'clock hour uh during the marathons and this is always one of those episodes this is the oh, yeah. prime time episode this is the episode like the monster do on maple street or the invaders or uh the trash can episode or any of those episodes <laughs> that uh will Edit. pop up alex if you're listening <laughs> it's a trash can episode though. it's not a trash can it's not a trash can it's not a freaking trash a can, can. It's not a tumor. It's, it's the a tumor. garbage it's pail. A it's, it's a garbage pail kid. Shut up. But 
this episode uh, is one of those episodes that I enjoy. I don't know if it's a top 10 episode for me, but I enjoy it because it's uh, different. It's Very. Twilight Zone. It's classic Twilight Zone. Uh, but we'll talk about where we rank this when the uh, we get to that part of the episode. Jacob. Yeah. We have the Twilight Zone opening, and then we have the diatribe. That is actually, if both of them are actually quite good, to be fairly honest. They're, I love, I, I, I'm pretty sure when people watched this episode in 1961 or whenever this episode aired, uh, yeah, 1961, I'm pretty sure they weren't expecting a kid to be the monster. So that's why this diet, that's why this opening is so amazing. Like the opening narration, as long as it is, it's pretty fun, even though it's long. So, absolutely, have at it. I will also say real quick that the fact that um, Rod Serling comes on, I'm not going to take that much time, but the way that Rod Serling comes on. (laughs) I want to go on. Yeah, absolutely. He sounds like he's a general preparing for war or some shit. Well, he kind of is. I mean, he's preparing for a war on like two pages of dialogue. (laughs) No, I'm just going to say that, um, like, I love the way that he says, you know, this episode is outside the box. It's, it's a different episode. It requires a different kind of open. Like, I love how he how he kind of builds the anticipation for it and kind of gets your, like, oh, what's going on kind of a thing going. The anticipation. Patient. Patient. I just used that, by the way, in my new video that comes out tomorrow. Nice. <laughs> Please tell me you were wearing a corset. Uh, no, it's, it's in voiceover, Fish but I do show Damn Tim it. Curry in it. Doing so, all right, here we go. Diaphragm. <laughs> Tonight's story on the Twilight Zone is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. This, as you may recognize, is a map of the United States, and there's a little town there called Peaksville. On a given morning, not too long ago, the rest of the world disappeared, and Peaksville was left. All alone. Its inhabitants were never sure whether the world was destroyed and only Peaksville left untouched or whether the village had somehow been taken away. They were, on the other hand, sure of one thing. The cause. A monster had arrived in the village. Just by using his mind, he took away the automobiles, the electricity, the machines, because they displeased him. And he moved an entire community back into the Dark Ages just by using his mind. Now, I'd like to introduce you to some of the people of Peaksville, Ohio. This is Mr. Fremont. It's in his farmhouse that the monster resides. This is Miss Fremont. And this is Aunt Amy, who probably had more control over the monster in the beginning than almost anyone. But one day she forgot. She began to sing aloud. Now, the monster doesn't like singing, so his mind snapped at her, turned her into the smiling, vacant thing you're looking at now. She sings no more. And you'll note that the people in Peaksville, Ohio, have to smile. They have to think happy thoughts and say happy things, because once displeased, the monster can wish them into a cornfield or change them into a grotesque walking horror. This particular monster can read minds, you see. He knows every thought. He can feel every emotion. Oh, yes. Did I forget something? Didn't I? Oh, I forgot to introduce you to the monster. This is the monster. His name is Anthony Fremont. He's six years old with a cute little boy face and blue, guileless eyes. But then those eyes look at you, and you'd better start thinking happy thoughts. Because the mind behind them 
is absolutely in charge. This is the Twilight Zone. Very well done. Nice. Yeah, good job, Jacob. No real and big words. And that and yeah. that's not me saying that because I don't want to be wished into the cornfield. Ah! Triv, all, literally, Triv. All yeah, I would say, Triv. It'd be easier for you just to you know. <laughs> I wished I wished her into a whatever that thing is. I'm what a damn cassuary. Cassie, Cassie, what? Cassuary. Cassuary. It's, a, it's, a, it's like an uh, email. Uh, she's an obituary. No, a cassuary. Yeah, I am. I am an obituary. I'm. <laughs> no, cassuary. I'm a Tupperwary. <laughs> <laughs> Zoom. Um. Okay, so that's that's the end of the episode because we got all the information we'll ever need for this episode. Literally, a bunch of people got transported back into like the fucking angels from Doctor Who, and uh, they now live in Ohio, which I feel sorry for them. They live in the, like the middle of the nowhere with no electricity, no nothing. This sounds like a place that actually I, I kind of want to live in right now. N- nobody around. Uh, Yes, angels. I mean, Jacob, you kind of live like like live in an area where there's like nobody around. Is it nice? Yes, it, very nice. You don't have like people like screaming and yelling. I mean, outside your kids and um, it's <laughs> and just, I live in the city. You hear people screaming and yelling, and it's just another day here. If I hear people screaming and yelling, there's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> what if the goats scream? Oh, they do. Yeah, you hear them. They're different. Than those. Ah! <laughs> Yeah, like you have chickens, right? You hear them like clucking. Yeah, they 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 keep low key. They just walk around. No, they scream like the goats too, Nick. Oh, okay. I mean, hey, Jacob lives in another world, so I mean, my goats, Sonic and Amy, are very vocal goats. Yeah. (laughs) See, all you need is put reins on them and have a little like cart, and you could be like Thor from Love and Thunder. (laughs) They're not that big. They're little goats. <laughs> well, then you put oh. one of your little littler kids behind them. Yeah, you always want to take fun pictures with the baby. So there you go. Um, anyways, uh, okay. So Anthony Fremont, played by Bill Mummy, probably his outside Will Robinson, probably his most notable role he's ever played. This kid is evil. This kid is like the you know th- this feels like a, a sequel to uh, uh, Rosemary's Baby. Like they had the kid, and this is what the kid turned out to be. So I have to ask you guys this, and I, I'm curious: Are children like why are children in horror films? Like, what makes them so scary to you guys? Innocence. Like this kid, this kid's <laughs> uh, what's that? Innocence. Yeah. Is that Innocence what it scary. is? Kids are traditionally well, even as it is ingrained in us, they're they're perceived as innocent, and you're supposed to protect them. They're supposed to be innocent, and 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 you know. Not bad. So when you have one that's all creepy and fucking evil, it's really scary because that just upends everything that you know within your bones. Is Absolutely. that why they say innocent until proven guilty? Because of kids? <laughs> Maybe. Um, no, I mean, like, for instance, one of, the, one of the most horrifying films you ever watched, The Good Son, like, about a kid who... Macaulay Culkin? Is, yeah, Macaulay Culkin. is evil. It always makes me laugh because it's just like, for instance, this this episode is parodied, of course, in uh, The Simpsons, The Treehouse of Horror, where Bart has the ability. Uh, it's a well, you know, as Trev alluded to earlier, it's parodying a lot of things. And it's basically not it's not a very complex story. I, even though I wrote a bunch of notes, as I always do, it's these people have to walk around on eggshells throughout. This, there's probably like, what, 15 people in this town. But this it kid is, has 
what's that? Maybe ten. Okay, maybe eight people. Like, I think the whole town was watching TV later on, but yeah. they're all walking on eggshells. Which actually, I gotta ask you that is that they're walking on eggshells because Anthony Fremont has this ability to, uh, he's telepathic ability. He has the ability. To, he can do anything with mental powers that he has, and. I, I gotta wonder, do you think it was smart not having very many people in this episode? Do you think it felt it would feel like it was too much for the episode? Like, I mean, what do you guys think about that? Like, I don't for know just how not you having, uh, well, no, go ahead, go ahead. I don't know how you would have had because even though it's a pretty tight, like your your locations and everything are pretty small, but I, I don't, if you try to do too much with it, I think what Anthony does mm-hmm. kind of loses its pizzazz. Like, yeah. you have to see it kind of build up, like, oh, he did this. Oh, he did that. Oh, he did this other thing. You know, you just kind of see, like, you're kind of, you tip your toe into the water of what Anthony is. And well, you also get the, deeper and a little deeper. You, through the story, you found that there were more people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do wonder, and this is really random question, but I wonder how long the the town has been like that. Because they talk about the machines being gone and everything. And if Anthony is only six, like, would he have, as like a, say, a two-year-old, like, you know, say, been scared by a car backfiring? And then he, like, without thinking, just gets rid of it. That reminds me a little bit of, and this is another weird movie to talk about, but it feels like Looper a little bit, where that kid his abilities are uncontrollable at a young age or like, I don't know, professor X when he becomes like mentally unstable, like this kid probably did some things that freaked them out. But as he grew more conscious and sentient, sentient, was that word sentient? Sentient. Yeah. Uh, he was, he realized what he was able to do. Plus as Jacob has alluded to with, you know, his kids like that young kids like this, their view of the world is completely selfish in their own right because of what they don't know and it's not, i guess it's not the right word selfish but they don't they don't have that it's mind a, of thinking they're it's not maliciously selfish right yeah but it is selfish because i mean that's all they know that's parents yeah. job to teach them not to be selfish pricks right, right. it's that percent and it's yeah. probably with his perception of the world like at the one point it had been very warm and then it starts to snow that whole right. thing of, you know, there's no thought given to, well, shit, you know, it's going to destroy the crops or this isn't, this isn't, you can't, you know, it's still a normal earth, you know, the, the, where they live is still earth. And, yeah. you yeah, know, it, there's no, there's no thought beyond the repercussions of that moment. It's like the gopher thing, you know, when the, when the, the guy, Bill, I think it's Bill who's like in law, I think Cloris Leachman, I think it's Bill. They have like a thing going on between them, but they can't do anything because they want to piss off Anthony, but Right. He makes like the three-headed gopher. Is that what is that what it is? Yeah, the, three-headed the creature. Gopher. Yeah, and he kills it. It's like that thing. It's like he doesn't think logically about you know as kids don't. It's like when we open up those toys that end up becoming very valuable. We don't think about that kind of shit. We just are on instinct or you know me getting picked. Like I don't know. You guys probably got picked on as kids too, but you know the kids that were picking on you and stuff like that. Um, yeah, no one thought about it no one was thinking about you know the effects of that kind of thing and in, in essence that's kind of what's going on here is just this yeah. kid is you always had that one kid though him. yeah yeah like there's kids i look back and i'm like i saw him do things yeah um i saw that kind of behavior happening and i'd be like and then years later i look back i'm like these kids weren't bad they were just you know being stupid kids there's always that one kid who this kid is a doyle who you knew even as a young kid you're like you're fucking crazy <laughs> right. you're, i knew two of them 
over the years, but it's like you are going to end up some like there's something next level about you. You were disturbed and you're going to be bad. And that's what happened with both of them. Well, one yeah. of them, I don't know about the other one. I heard things, but one of them, I know for sure. Um, um I do wonder, like this kid, yeah. like Anthony reminds me of Sid from uh, uh, from Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Will Poulter? Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the, the. I know. Yeah. Everybody makes that joke that he looks like him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. Well, I mean, he oh, was shit. in Son of Rambo. Was he like a an asshole in Son of Rambo? Anybody watch that movie? Yeah. It's been a long time. I, yeah, I saw it when think... it first came out. That was him. Well, wasn't that's it? a great movie. Yeah, I think it was. I forgot about that. It was very good. Uh, um, but in essence, this kid has brought them back to the, you know, this is like what's interesting about this is the whole idea of like not having cell phones and horror films and stuff like that. It allows this horrific situation to play out where they don't have phones. They don't have any way of escape. It's horrifying to have a kid control everything because as we've talked about, and we will do an episode where we talk about it's a good life from the Dodante uh, point of view, that kid sits in front of TV, their food ingestion is a bunch of donuts and candy and cakes and stuff like that. They're the sister gets you know blown into a tv and stuff like that it's just the the fact that i think what makes this episode work is just having the kid as the would you quote unquote call him god Mm -hmm. but would you call him the antagonist for the time and place i I don't think i don't think that rod serling probably would have called him that at least to your your general audience but yeah behind the scenes he was totally the antagonist i mean he was going from what he knew and like his he was driven by his perceptions of everything oh that dog is bugging me to the cornfield you know that (laughs) that person looked at me weird you know yeah you're a you're a terrible person because you you talked back to me you know right i i I just kind of love that i mean even though this may not be like a top 10 episode i i love the simple fact that like as we grow to become adults become more cynical in, in this episode they can't be cynical and it shows the horrific nature of like how your life you has to be in this kind of predicament and i I don't know i just find that fascinating i don't know how you guys feel so it's kind of um and i know the movie's not great but um with the eternals sprite yeah you know she had that whole you know weariness of the world and didn't have that childlike innocence you know and i think to some extent you get a little bit of that with anthony like you can like even though it's I, I suppose it's more that bitter like that 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 you know like oh well he looked at me weird or that but you just see that kind of vindictive do anything to to get your point across kind of a thing and maybe that doesn't make sense i apologize no it's like uh peter pan uh i watched the new rendition of peter pan the other day oh and that was bad i liked it actually it was pretty good oh, wow. um, oh really i think jude law jude law is really awesome as captain hook but it's the same thing there. There's a point in that movie where Captain uh, Peter's trying to convince Captain Hook because they used to be friends as kids or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I think happy thoughts. And Captain Hook goes, I don't have any and jumps off the wall, whatever. It's the same thing here. It's like these people are having to fake excitement and happiness to appease this kid. And as I was saying, Jacob, I don't know if you heard, uh, as we grow to be adults, we become very cynical human beings. And um the, not not having that syn- uh, that cynical nature in an episode causes horrifying results as yeah. we learn to see the so. word good is repeated 46 times in this episode jesus <laughs> christ think good thoughts 
<laughs> well, and the way that Bill it's is really is, good, guys. Exactly. The way that Bill kind of keeps, and I suppose it's because, like you say, him and Cloris Leachman kind of had their thing going, but there is that kind of sucking up of, oh, you know, make sure to tell, make sure to tell Anthony that, you know, I found him tomato soup because I know how much he likes it. You know, that's real good. I mean, that whole, that whole bit. Mm. But with that scene, do you think they were running out of food the way they, the way they talked? That and the whole Maybe. thing with the crops in the end, yeah. 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 Well, that's the thing, like, that that makes it really interesting is the kid is not con- is not cognizant or consciousness of um the fact that they need to eat or drink he's more worried about turning gophers into three-headed monsters or making things disappear or watching dinosaurs you know kill each other on which i thought was a fun little ray harry house i think it was like maybe an homage to harry Housen and his you know the use of like uh stop motion and stuff like that it was really kind of a clever bit um but yeah they, they, he doesn't think about like what adults think about it we need food we need survival we need you know cynical nature which gets us through life and it, it's just a really interesting contrast between the two the two worlds i think i don't know my like whole uh thought process on this episode i said this a minute ago kind of like changed when i <laughs> Trish started talking and she said oh so, sorry no no <laughs> when you said the the thing about yeah, the kid too. and like being essentially being a um spoiled little bitch a met well kind of like a, the the episode is like a metaphor if you will or whatever for uh for kids getting their way and all that and i know we've talked about it at length at this point but like that kind of like wow i'm looking at everything in this episode different now <laughs> yeah because i just yeah. kind of took it at face value honestly as i watched it because i was familiar with the story very familiar with the story because i really liked the one from the movie so then watching this one i was really not paying attention to i mean i was paying attention to it but i wasn't like dissecting some of the you know underlying themes and all that i was just kind of because i was familiar with the story i was kind of like oh there's nothing else for me to gain there i was just comparing the two and now i'm like oh man there's like so much more to this so like as we go (laughs) on i like see a lot more and that just kind of blew my mind it still is but um yeah yeah that's that's where i'm at yeah (laughs) and really add much i know but (laughs) <laughs> no, that's okay. no, that's okay. That threw me up. That I typically when we say things, it's like I recognize or I realize I'm on the when we're talking about the episodes. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I can see that. I kind of kind of caught on to some of that. This one, I was like, wow, just how did I not see that? Especially <laughs> when I feel really strongly about that subject, I was like, how did I just miss that? <laughs> well, I, do, I, mean, I feel real strong about that, but I was just like, damn, yeah, in your face. Like now that I know, I'm like, man, it's like beating you over the head with it, and I was just like, oh. <laughs> Kid got special powers, send him out to the corn. <laughs> and I don't know if that was, and I, I say that because I don't know if that was intended. Like, I, I don't know, because there's nothing really, and I don't know, did you see anything in the companion, Nick, about that? One way about, or the other? It, what was it about? About, about the, the kind of spoiled kid thing. Terrible I mean, being, um, I, I, I don't see how it check. could not, because back then, especially, they took like disciplining your children and giving them good upbringing very seriously. That's like a true. lot, le- and all, all honestly, less than people do nowadays. Now, well, about YouTube and TV will do it. Yeah, well, and about that time, um, I I've got a lot of family that was kind of from that era, and growing up, I heard a lot about there's this guy called Doctor Spock that was very much more about the yep. worried about feelings and things like that, and that changed a lot of the way that a lot of people parented based on that. 
So I don't see Rod Serling as being the kind that would be like, oh, we're we're going to make something that's going to be a statement against this kind of parenting. But it is maybe maybe that's partially what dro- what drove this episode. Like, I'd be really interested to know what drove this episode. Well, with all that, and I mean, I we we could totally be wrong here, but like with the Doctor Spock stuff and all that, and and yeah, I'm familiar with him, but like uh, how they did have this change, this switch. Well, that's when it started. It didn't really like go into full swing later on until later on, but how sure. it was more about oh feelings and all this and that, and less like black and white, like bad punishment. Yeah, right. I do think. Um, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There is like something to that, but at the same time, that can be a bit too harsh at times and put like a emotional divide between you and your children so i do yeah. get the whole thing about like parenting you know putting feelings into it some but i think the problem was is that people tend to take things and run with them so they took it and they said oh it's yes now we only use our feelings when we parent with our children and right. like you can't do that at times you can't put feelings in it because you have to put the kids best interest at heart and their best interest is to prepare them for adulthood and show them what the world is. And sometimes you got to be the bad guy. And uh, wow, this episode just really took on a whole new thing. But, and I I, I think that this was kind of showing, and I think you're right. I I think Rod Serling was, I think he was traditionalist, but also progressive at the same time. I think he would have probably, because he was a parent by this point and that's how he was parented. So he probably saw the value in that, traditional parenting of like you know you know a bit a bit uh, a firmer hand if you will but then he probably strike i could be totally wrong but he struck me as the type who would probably be like you know there's something to this and maybe we do need to inter- in- inject like a little bit of feeling into it and like take the kids feelings into consideration a bit more and not be so harsh but um i think also at the same time he probably had the foresight to say but knowing human nature, if we go too far with this thing, this is what could happen. Right. Well, that's that's the, that's the thing about <laughs> right. That's the thing you notice about the Twilight Zone in general is every story is about some form of human condition, some form of human ideology, and w- the way we work and tick as a person, as a human being. And same thing here. It's like. You know, this is the, to me personally, the fears and scariness of, you know, kids and how they grow up and how, you know, how you control that. And like, as you're saying, sometimes you have to be the bad guy. If you're not the bad guy, it turns, it could be turned into something really uh, problematic as we see. But like every, even you go back to the stupid crap, like Trouble Templeton or the fever, there's some form of human uh ideology to it and that's what's happening here these people will not say no and can't say no and therefore they've got themselves in this really terrible situation that well, it when is they almost try to like fight, you yeah. said something there it's like they can't say no and of course that's like oh of course you could always say no to your kid but it is almost like when you have a kid that has been told yes 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 and babied if you will for so long it almost does because nothing's impossible but it becomes almost impossible to say no because you've dug this hole and you're in it and now it's like if you say no it's like i like they throw a fucking tantrum (laughs) into the cornfield and like it's almost like and i get it parents that have done that i mean part of me is like i mean you reap what you sow you did this Mm -hmm. you created this monster if you will but then at the same time like i get it i mean sometimes as a parent when shit's just like piling on you're like i don't fucking care go 
can I can I do this? Can I do this? And you've said no, 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 no. And then you're finally just like, I don't care. Just 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 just, just go. Just like don't, you know. And I mean, so sometimes you know, it is easier, you know, to to give them what they want. But um, uh, in those situations when you have those psychotic kids that just have always been told yes, yeah, it's it is almost impossible to break that. Nothing's impossible, but it is extremely difficult. So. This is obviously a heightened version of that, but yeah. Yeah, I mean... Like like you said, they have, they can't say no. Right. Like, for instance, you have, like, um, this kid goes into his father's room, starts looking around, you know. It, I, I, I'm assuming this guy doesn't have a Playboy or something like that in his room, but he, like I like how he looks under the bed and he's just, like, looking around. And it's like, at some point, as a, I'm assuming as a parent, you'd be like, get the fuck out of my room, you know. You're not supposed to be in here. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's the same thing here. It's like, yeah, he's just in there. He's like... Oh, I hate that fucking dog, and I hate this, and I hate that, and you know, the blah 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 was a bad man, so I set him on fire, and it's like shit. Uh, this is going some dark places, but it's just, it's that type of thing where if a kid had this ability, you'd be scared as shit. <laughs> you wouldn't know what to do. Can you imagine if like one of your kids had this ability, like how fucking frightened and at, you'd probably be like Don or Dan, you'd be like, like he's distracted, like punch this kid in the face or something. I love <laughs> that. Yeah, or yeah, like nobody, when the lady. Like, <laughs> the mom was it the mom who said yeah he they were talking about the fucking freakish horrors he was creating creating outside mm-hmm. but they were like oh it's great and she was like yeah he created some kind of beaked creature evil sharp toothed monster the other day but oh then you remember tried when we to had pigs and i hoped it would <laughs> <laughs> well and to be held under that i mean because you are kind of held at gunpoint at that point you know like your thoughts are, I mean, it is kind of a 1984 type scenario because if you step out of line, like you have the whims of a six year old, you know, that you're up against the whims of a six year old. So it is. What. It took this kid when he did his, his magic to the couple of people he did it in this one. It took him a minute. All right. It did. Yeah. Yeah. I feel some, like uh, I would have had enough patience. time to hit his ass with a bat or something. But you think, okay, but, but, but you think about living under that threat for that long, like, and not knowing, well, I'm going to wish him to the cornfield. Well, what does that mean? What, you know, is he going to turn you into some kind of a freakish horror before he does that? You know, how long, like, the funny part is, is like, they find out in the sequel that the cornfield is just the rest of the world. Right. Exactly. (laughs) He sends you back. But they don't know that. It's like the the reverse angels. Oh, yeah. yeah. But to think about it, there's you don't know what he's capable of. And to live under that stress for that long, you know, how do you you either you either crumble to it and submit or you get defiant and want to listen to Perry Como. (laughs) I mean, they know he's capable of bursting people into fucking flames because he talks. Was it the dog? No, there was a guy that he. Oh, yeah. It was like a fart. It's like somebody he didn't like. like That's why I made him burn, Daddy. I made him burn good. Yeah. He was like, "Yeah, it was awesome. He smelled fantastic." Yes, exactly. (laughs) I craved ribs. Damn it, we haven't had ribs for ages. More manned his ass. (laughs) He did. He totally did. (laughs) He probably he probably was complaining about the bees again. You know, not the bees. But basically, all this is happening. The only one that's really saying anything that the kid doesn't really react to is the grandmother because he silenced her in a lot of ways, made her a simpleton. I mean, she's, she's basically been lobotomized. Yeah, because she's like talking about how he's been in the, the barn for like way too long. You know, who knows what a kid that age is in the barn for too long for, but um oh, we know. Oh, we know. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but it all kind of is is culminating to this event where they're going to be sitting around TV. They're going to celebrate Dan Hollis's birthday and stuff like that. And it's it just the nature. You don't see anybody. You don't really see anybody outside of the parents and the grandmother and whatever the, the young strapping fucking delivery boy or whatever. And uh, we get to the birthday party um, and it's, you know, it's a kind of a chaotic event. Animals or you know dinosaurs are being killed. Perry Como records are being given as gifts and without the sleeve <laughs> apparently, um, yeah. which I, uh, only five bottles of liquor and he just decides he's gonna destroy one in the fireplace and I don't know. I mean it's I mean what do you guys think? Like all this stuff that starts happening, like you can start seeing stuff boil over. You think you actually think it's gonna go one way and it ends up going another? I mean what do you guys think? Happy birthday! Well, that <laughs> exactly. one guy, that one guy was just like fucking. I'm done. Yeah, I don't give a fuck anymore. He's back there with a drink. He's like, "Wang!" And kids like, "Don't make any noise while the music's going." He's like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> he just get. I like that guy because he like all his fucks were given. He's like, "I don't yeah. give a fuck anymore." Fuck you, <laughs> fuck yeah, yeah, little shit. And he even tells him he's like, "Somebody do something." So take his ass the fuck out. <laughs> right. The wife's like, "Don't say anything." He's like, "Fuck you, woman." It's too late. Happy now. birthday. It's I want to drink my brandy. Late. It's my party, and I'll be turned into something if I want to. Right, the kid. I mean, it'd be amazing if like this was remade in the 1990s with the kid from Child. Uh, 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 what's that movie? John Ritter, the Hellion. Oh, the kid. Problem Child. Uh, uh, problem problem Child. Yeah, that's what this feels like. Problem Child. I liked for the six early 60s TV. This went. It didn't uh. show a lot. But it alluded to a lot of things like the fucking uh, uh, Jack in the Box or like the creature he was making or talking about the creatures he made and the things he's done. Yeah. Nowadays, I feel like it would have shown it. And that kind of sometimes it'd be neat to see some of the things like we do with the uh, the update in the 80s. But it is kind of neat to just it it added to this like mystique and this 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 terror, this horror of it all when you just hear about and I'm all about, hey, show, don't tell. But sometimes telling in the right way can be better than actually seeing. Because, like, it just kind of adds to the terror of what this kid can do. He walks around like, hey, 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 I'll burn you the fuck alive. And, like, and and it really made this kid seem fucking sinister. Right. And, like, with the, how you see just off screen, like, whatever gerbil thing he or whatever gopher he's making, three-headed monsters and, and like, the the... The Jack of the Box thing really, it didn't show anything but the idea behind it. Yeah. Like the visual I had in my head and the very little bit they showed was just enough to like really put the visual in my head. And I don't really think there's anything else they could have shown that would have uh, matched that visual I had in my head. Even oh, well, that's, well, that's the thing. When he, when he eventually <laughs> confronts Anthony and he's like, you know, saying all he needs to say, and Anthony's like, "You're a bad, bad man." And the guy's like, "Will somebody please fucking knock? I- I'm giving you permission to beat a child. Just yeah. do it. We will nightmare as a child, this motherfucker." And <laughs> you know, they, they 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 don't do anything because they're so scared and so kind of um, I don't know what that word is when you're submissive. They're they're, they're um, subservient. Yeah, subservient. Yeah, subservient. They're uh, uh, Serbian film. Um, <laughs> Subserve. <laughs> subvert, subvert. No. Anyways, but no, but it, 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 as as Jacob has alluded to, the big twist is the guy gets turned into a jack in the box, and 
yes, it is very cheesy looking at to today's standards because you know you you could do much better technology today. But it's just horrifying. This guy has now been turned into uh, a freak, a scary Jack in the Box character. He's a, probably dead at this point. It's like he's think. been beheaded. Yeah, Basically, yeah. Through magic and stuck on a fucking spring, popping out of a ba- a box with a, a dunce cap on. Like right. I said, and it shows like close up of him just kind of doing this, and you get the shadow on the wall. Like mm. the imagery, yes, could they show something more horrific and better nowadays? But there was something about for me piecing all that together in my head mm-hmm. and seeing what lied beyond lies beyond the borders of the screen in my head. I think is probably more terrifying than anything they could have shown or oh, absolutely shown. well and even uh anthony's description of it you know i turned him into it like there's no remorse yeah, he's just there's like, no <laughs> there's no second thought there is there is oh i i drew a chalk drawing outside i turned him into a jack-in-the-box and all yeah. their horror on their faces and they come and they're like just wish it away please wish it away get it the fuck out of here yeah i mean it goes back to and i'm sure i've said this before but i'll say it again um one of the most horrifying scenes in cinema in my opinion, well done is in Ben Hur when they find Ben Hur's mother and sister that are in uh, their lepers and they're in a jail cell that they've been in for like five years or something. So they've just been stewing as lepers in this fucking jail cell. They've been locked up. Nobody's seen them. And the guy, the the prison guard opens the door and uh, we see the we see it from their perspective. We don't ever see them. We just see him open the door and it's all on his face and how he's horrified. And he's like, oh, my God. And he's like, ah, it never shows that it does eventually show them. And they're not really that bad. But like that right there made you think, oh, my God, what does he see? And like the visual you get will never compare or what they finally show you never compares with the visual. So sometimes showing less is more Jaws. Yeah, I was just about to say Jaws. Yeah, Jaws. (laughs) Um, I mean, yeah, the, just in general, just yeah, there. I can't remember what movie I watched, but someone actually says that almost the exact quote where the more you see, the less effective it is. The new Blair Witch Project movie or Blair Witch movie, yeah, that's yeah, the, not oh, a bad yeah, movie, honestly, not yeah. bad. But you get to the end and they just throw that bitch all over the screen, you see this CG right. monster, and it totally deflates the whole fucking thing. Like, yeah, it, it's that's... so bad, it deflates the first movie. Like well, that's what I was gonna say. Like the lost. first movie is so perfect in an example of like all you do is hear things, all you do is feel things, but you don't see things, and that's what makes it work so well. It's you know great uh, low budget filmmaking. Yeah, you want what... more, but you, you don't need it. Out. Yeah, you yeah. want more, but if you get more, it's gonna ruin it. So that is the perfect balance right there, where you're you're wanting more, but not like you feel unsatisfied. You're just wanting more because you're so curious and so interested. What is it? And that's what they do here. We like see these things. Well, we don't see these things. We see like like the shadow on the wall or we, you know, you hear things and all that. Or you hear about the cornfield. What is in the cornfield? I don't want to see that. I mean, I do. Part of me is like, I want to see all players. these things. But I know, for, <laughs> yeah, I know for a fact, if I see them, it will, it, it, it won't live up to it. So I'm like, no, I don't want to see it. Keep it the way it is. Right. Look at Psycho. Like, look at the shower scene in Psycho where... People will claim, oh, I saw a boob or I saw blood or I saw whatever. You see nothing. The yeah, way that it's yeah. cut, it's, yeah, it's masterfully done. 
You see and, Rob Zombie in the new one, but yeah. Yeah, great. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's and regarded this is done on a TV budget, you know, in a different way, but well, it's definitely that's a, still that same feel. That's the same thing with Halloween. Like it, the, it's it's effective because there's actually not much violence in that movie. There's very much there's very little violence that you actually see. But it's effective because you know there's something lurking in the shadows somewhere. And no, it's not Alec Baldwin, but you see someone lurking in the shadows. <laughs> um, it's the same thing here. It's like you know, or Texas like Chainsaw the, Massacre. Look at yeah, true. Like the, there's no there there is violence and there's a lot that goes on, but there's so much more. Like you think back and it's like, oh my god, it's such a violent movie. But if you actually sit down and watch it, like you know, with right. that with that thought in mind, a dirty movie. Yeah. Oh, very. <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, but you don't really, there's well, not a lot to speak of. And that, if you look back at all the true, there are hard, all right, the thing, the fly, the thing, these show all the nastiness, the goriness, the, the, the terror on screen. And they're cool. I love them. I think but they're it's, both it, great. It's condensed. It's not a lot. There's not it's a lot of it. Not like alien. Well, I don't, it's, they're horror movies, but I don't find them terrifying. They're right. hard. It's yeah. kind of like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah. Look at all. Ugh. It's that kind of like, that's so nasty and it's cool because it's so over the top. And that's great for those that works. But like terror, true like terror, like fear. I find if you, those are the ones that you, you can't show it. Don't show It's never going to match up. Just fear and terror is what you can't see. That's why people are afraid of the dark. Yeah, They're terrified. They're fearful of what they don't know. So if you yeah. see it, you know it, and it's not terrifying anymore. And this one, I think it did a good job. It makes this kid really fucking terrifying because you 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 don't ha- you don't see it, but you know it. So well, that's what makes another it really perfect scary. example. I would say another perfect example of a movie that just came out in the last like ten years is It Follows. Oh yeah, you don't see it. You just have somebody. You definitely don't somebody. see anything there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the and, but they, but the discussion of what happens. Yeah, yeah. Whatever is on screen, like obviously we see the shadow. Whatever is on screen, it you build it, and I guess you guys have covered it, but what you see in your head, what you picture it being, you know, your own fears put on Always or laid works. over top of this implied thing will make it 10 times more terrifying than anything that you're going to be able to see on screen because it's specific to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and just it, the fact they can't listen to an album or, you know, watch TV or live in a rat race of a city, which the grandmother talks about is as stupid as that sounds it's oddly terrifying because you know especially if you think about today i'm not saying like any of like the three of us but just in general think about if your cell phones were taken away think if you know the car was taken away all this stuff was taken away because of some weirdo kid or some weirdo kind of entity uh there'd be mass hysteria you know cats and dogs living together that type of thing (laughs) now i will say as we yeah. have this conversation, I'm sitting here advocating for don't show anything. Show less, show less, show less. <laughs> I do have to admit that when it comes to the the one I'm more familiar with, the 80s Twilight Zone movie that mm-hmm. does do its version of this story. Yeah. Some of the imagery in that <laughs> is fucking nightmare fuel and is oh, yeah. fucking like terrible. woman with no mouth, that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, his sister... But you know what made that way? And it is still kind of the same thing because with that, I was going to actually talk about that one in particular. It showed in the, in the new, and this isn't in this one, but in the, the newer, the eighties version, his sister, for those of you that haven't seen it, it shows her, you see her like this watching TV and she's like doing that from over the top of the TV. And then 
it's like you hear about how she uh, talked too much or yelled at him, I think, and he didn't like it. So then as they walk out of the room, the camera pans up and it comes down and you see she's all like Neo from the Matrix. She has no mouth. Like it's just skin. And it is kind of terrifying. This, she's got these wide eyes. And she's looking like that, almost like she's screaming, but nothing's coming out because there's no mouth. She has no mouth and she must scream. But um, <laughs> like that imagery was kind of like, damn. And it was done really well. But I think that if you had seen that situation happen, like if they went back and instead of telling, they just like showed that whole thing with her screaming at him and him being like, no mouth. And like, it would have lost something. Like just hearing the story of how it happened and how such a simple thing of like, somebody talking shit and that's why I made their mouth go away and just hearing it and then seeing that imagery, I think worked perfect. So it was still a little bit of the, well, yeah, you're seeing more here. You're still not seeing the whole thing. You're not seeing the horrible action take place. So it is still kind of terrifying. It's strategic. Yeah. What is yes. what it is. It's and that specifically there's that body horror element, you know, mm -hmm. it's not, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, not like the David Cronenberg body horror, but right. It is, but like it is still for a PG kick. movie done in the mid '80s. Yeah. That is, that is. I mean, I would, I would classify that as some a form of body horror. But PG yeah, in I, the I, '80s was hardcore. Yeah, no, you're you're not. <laughs> well, that's wrong. what I was gonna say. Like the that version of "It's a Good Life" is very much of what the '80s represented, which was a more visceral look into the horror, you know, the the horror elements and stuff like that. Where the '60s was all about what can we do to make something horrifying on a limited budget? Because I mean, outside of like the monster movies in the fifties and sixties and uh, Rosemary's baby, I guess was sixties. Was, well. mm -hmm. was it? I yeah. thought it was 60. That was around the same time as uh, the exorcist, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah it was 1968. So. Oh, okay. I, oh, but no, anyways, but, but it's just like, there, there's a level of veracity and uncomfortableness that comes with what they were able to do with very, very little. And that's why, you know, you look at something like Jaws and stuff like that and what they were able to accomplish. And now you, you, you just have a bunch of C outside of, you know, stuff like smile and stuff like that. It's mostly just CGI boringness. Oh, now that was another it one. It Blair witched the shit out of the end of that. It, it did. So but that movie was really fun, good, but yeah. It wasn't awful, but the, the, it lost something there in the end of that one. I know we're not talking right. about that. It did lose something there in the last few minutes. But that's why, when it comes to horror films, I like stuff that are unique and different. And, you know, like I said, I think It Follows is the, really the last time I really enjoyed a horror film that kind of just freaked me the fuck out. Now it's just like, you know, when we watch Evil Dead Rise, as much as that movie's awesome, well, it's that it really scary a minute ago. It's not yeah. scary. It's yeah. just like gory. so over the top, gory and bloody. It's like yeah, fuck yeah. But it's, I was never sitting in there like, oh, I'm scared. I didn't go home and like, oh, I don't want to turn the lights out because there might be an, a deadite. No, I've never been like that about Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah, well, no, you're not supposed that generally. to be that like, about Evil Dead. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a different. It's fun horror. Yeah, it's not like like terrifying horror is that shit you don't see. Like Candyman, when I was a kid, scared the fuck out of me. Cause you don't see that motherfucker and he just like pops up behind you. That shit always scared the shit out of me. 
I will say the Fear Street. Um, I think it was the first. Yeah, one. Fear Street. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. where where the chick's head goes through the the um the, the bread slicer. Yeah, yeah. That so good. That that. I mean, that wasn't scary per se, but it it left me feeling with the heebie-jeebies something fierce. Well, you weren't expecting that either. No, we're getting true. on a tangent, but I totally was not expecting that character to get it, and it did. It didn't even build up to it. It just happened, and you're like, oh fuck, they just wow. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Super violently just killed that person. Yep. But you know, now I want I like a sandwich, stuff. damn it. <laughs> I think that's why people like stuff like Midsummer and uh whatever the other film he directed. Uh Hereditary. 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 And Bo is afraid. Uh, we don't talk about Bo's afraid, apparently. Oh. Um yeah, like man, what, what did you guys I, love... I assume you've both seen or are familiar enough. I know you are Nick Trip. We haven't really yeah. talked about it with the movie version. The 80s movie version right of well, of this yeah 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 i you know it was a different thing um it, it had the whole looney tunes thing going like the fact that they it wasn't a family that was forced to be a quote family yeah um i thought that was really cool i mean joe dante i mean he's well, gonna have to evil it, it's actually halfway through it it did very much <laughs> it's, re- it's actually rewritten by richard matheson really yeah, it was it was in spirit a successor to the or not successor a, a remake in spirit, but I mean you saw the because there's a Jack in the Box in that one too, isn't there? No, no I don't no, think no. so. There, oh, it's a Tasmanian there's a, Devil. There's one of the Simpsons. Yeah. There's a Tasmanian turns... Devil. That's what it is, and it comes yeah, out and, it's yeah. like, and it goes back, and the guy's like, ah! <laughs> it just like, like yeah, that's that's. A I, good I, I will say, and this is, it's a story of two very different approaches if you look at the movie itself i think it's for me personally i think it's the strongest of those stories in the movie itself yeah, like, yeah I think it definitely didn't involve that... getting someone getting killed in real life so yeah well exactly exactly. and honestly it it just overall like it was my favorite from from those stories in this was setting... the actual most terrifying one that's for damn oh sure. absolutely and that's i mean part of the joy of the 80s and that's what joe dante does you know he has that that ability to be very good at that. Um, as far as comparing it to this, I do. I'm always a proponent for like the less is more. You know, and obviously show don't tell is always a better perspective. But the terrifying, like what, like you said, what you bring into this, you know, is what you take from it <clears throat> from the terror perspective. You know, what whatever they would have had in mind, whatever Rod Serling had in mind for that Jack in the Box is you know nothing compared to what you add to it for yourself mm-hmm. yeah and bill muni and, is just like he's got that you can see him be adorable and then just switch on this terrifying like evil dead thing or evil thing right and the the funny thing is and we'll talk about the ending real quick is I, what i love about the ending is not the simple fact that he made it snow and he's a kid and he his temper is you know like a mood ring or whatever it's a simple fact that the snow represents kind of a dust ball dust bowl situation where the one main thing that people worry about is survival and when you have a kid upending that survival with the plant situation and the crops you know you look at like the ice ice problems and stuff like that when they happened or like i said the dust bowl when shit like that happens it's it's terrifying for an adult it's terrifying for a human being because like what do you do when everything you need is gone because you know some asshole situational uh, incident happens 
And that's what I think the kid really represents a lot of respects is not only the, the nature of what kids can do, but also the nature of like what happens when we have a pandemic or what happens when we don't have the things we need and we have no way of getting around it. Like what will it cause us to do? And it's really fascinating that it just kind of ends with the, the guy being put in the Jackson box and disappeared to the cornfield to them, the world snowing. And uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Honestly. So then this is maybe a different take than that, but all day people were talking about how hot it was and everything. I think, and and I not knowing Anthony's intentions, like, cause again, six year old. And despite the fact that, you know, the, he kind of rolls on whims and, Oh, I feel like making it snow. Do you think that it was maybe his way of trying to like, Oh, well, they didn't like it when it was so hot. I'll, I'll make it cold or I'll make it snow. Well, yeah, you know? that's true too. I mean, it's the kid not thinking logically about, you know, but also trying do. to like be, Oh, well, they didn't like it when it was hot. So I'm going to make it snow to make them happy. Yeah. To some extent. So you, so you know. think he was actually given? I don't like, know if this kid gave to... a shit. Yeah, <laughs> I think he was just like, I like snow. That is true too. He definitely <laughs> rolled like... on whims by by any every, yeah. any means. I was but... waiting for a Christmas tree to pop up or something like that. You know, <laughs> he turns he turns uh, Aunt uh, Aunt Anne into a into a tree or Aunt Amy into a tree. Yeah, well, there was a well. I oh, that was hypnotic. I like this episode. I thought um because I, I guess we mentioned yeah it just ends. <laughs> it's like well, hey, I mean, well you are you are definitely left with a oh shit scenario of well you know food is tight and i don't know i don't know if they would have ever asked him for food or maybe he maybe he has to have things that exist to some extent like he can't create something out of nothing um i, I guess know. he probably can but i don't know i i i actually like the end but i do think the end of this one and the end, of course, the end of this one and the end of the the movie version from the eighties are two of the biggest differences. But I think that the end of this one quiz essentially changes the tone, the entire tone of this episode, as compared to the other one. And it's definitely a different tone than we typically have with Twilight Zone, because there's no real resolution, which does lead me also with these epiphanies I've had due to Triff. Because of the uh, <laughs> what it what the episode at least what its deeper meaning may be mm-hmm. that in a lot of cases unfortunately there is no fixing it well it's not going to be fixed this is this is the cards you've been dealt and in some cases you dealt them yourself but um, I like the ballsiness of them to have this you know show that typically it may not be a nice resolution and it may not be something that you're in love with but there's always a resolution you know there's always something there's an end to it and this one just stops and he even says it in the closing narration which we'll get to that hey this is just life for these people and that leaves it that gives it a whole new meaning because these people don't get any kind of release and that's one of the most depressing, dark fucking things that we've run across <laughs> in this show. Because well, be it de- even if it was death, even if they all died, you know what? Hey, they got yeah. they got closure or something. No, they are stuck with this. And this is their lives. And they're just looking out the window like, oh, no. And I mean, that, like he says in the uh, closing, we just wanted to introduce you to this, these citizens. 
Well, that's the thing about <laughs> you're right. not. We're not telling you a story. We're just giving you a snapshot of this world right here, and you're like, wow. oh shit. Yeah. Well, that's what well, I was thanks. gonna say. What's interesting is you look at the 1980s version. Like I said, we'll talk about that. I think we're gonna do it as a Christmas episode or whatever. Yeah. But you look at the you look at the 1980s version, and you, the one thing that episode does that this episode doesn't do is it it shows what would happen if somebody like an adult took charge of the situation instead of being you know pussyfooting around and stuff like that and finding a way to put this kid's powers or this kid's you know nonsensical logic uh into good standings and you know the uh, what's her face i can't remember who plays the the woman in the teacher uh, is teacher. the teacher uh it, she's well known she's a well-known actress but and here it's just like no she's from we're not gonna do that. isn't the mom from poultry am i thinking wrong no, it's I think not right. um d wallace no 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 it it's um joe beth williams i think is yeah yeah it's, yeah it's joe beth williams who is uh the teacher but i but i like that i like that ending but i also like this ending i like the simple fact that as oh, you yeah. alluded to it, they're fucked there's nothing they they have no way out they're never gonna have a way out they're stuck in this scenario and it's terrifying i think it's, both of them have yeah something to say that i like what both of them have to say but they're saying different things on the same subject especially if you take into account the thing about you know kids and and this is how you can end up with a demon of a kid like this one is just like yeah you go down that road you're fucked yeah <laughs> and this is this this is the light you're stuck with this forever there's nothing you can do about it the newer one was more like yeah this kid's an unholy terror and something needs to be done somebody needs to come in and take charge and if you do yeah. that that's what the kid's looking for is is uh, uh someone to take charge the child is looking for an adult to come in and take charge of the situation this kid you come in try and take care of the situation He's gonna kill you. <laughs> He's chaos incarnate. So the the newer yeah. one has a little bit more of a positive, hopeful ending, saying that yeah, something can be done, but somebody's got to stand up. Somebody's got to say enough is enough. Right. Yeah. Just, and they get, it, like, as we'll learn, they get sent back to wherever they're from in that version. Here, they're just they're fucked. Yep. That's what it comes down to. The cornfield and, um, is oblivion. Well, and honestly, that. in the newer one, I don't remember. I think that he. And it's been a while since I saw it. Didn't he just create an all new place? Was that what it was? I don't remember. In essence, we'll that's, what, he, that that's what happens in this episode too. Is he creates you know, this Peaksville, Ohio, or whatever it is? So, no, I mean I in mean, the end of the 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 newer one. Oh, it's like no, they yeah, drive I, down I, the road and like you see all the flowers blooming. I think because they're in nothing. He ends everything. In yeah, that if you remember, he just like yeah. they're in like the oh, white yeah. nothingness that Mighty Mouse went to that one time at the end of the universe, and like they're just sitting there and like she's like, "What is this?" He's like, "It's all gone." She's like, what do you I mean? Just wonder, like, I did it all. <laughs> I just wonder if a tray is going to show up at some point. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Uh, and uh, but yeah, like he, uh, uh, I think in that one he just created a new existence. I could be wrong. It's been a while since I saw it. Well, but I, do, like, the uh, yeah, and... I think it's ambiguous. I think it's yeah, like, well, definitely, it's is. never. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Joe Dante's. Like, we just need an ending. Throw some fog in there. White, white, <laughs> white wall. We'll throw in some flowers later on. It'd be good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like got five here, here, right. And I know uh, we've been talking here. about I've been talking about the new one a lot, and we're talking about but no, episode, but like but I can't is, help but compare. Right. Yeah. Well, it, they're, it's they're like when you talk about the chaser type of thing. Yeah. It's like you, you kind of have to like compare them. Yeah. 
Um, Especially when that's the one I'm most familiar with. But. Oh yeah. Which yeah. we're gonna we're gonna do that. I think we're gonna do the episode as like a you know kind of like a Patreon style episode. Just kind of do yeah on that. We'll talk about that since we actually have the episode. But I mean, I I don't know. Like my feelings on this episode are it's horrifying. I don't want to have kids. I especially don't want to have kids that will shoot you away to the cornfield because you know i live in florida i don't live in like the the midwest so i don't need corn in my area you'll get but... swooped away to the everglades yeah there well, you go <laughs> I, swooped away I can to Disney say World. i have seven children and um none of them have telepathic powers that i'm aware of but kids <laughs> definitely can be assholes oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's 100% true on that one. So. Having spent quite a lot of the time in the cornfield as a kid, you know, it's it's an interesting place. I would not suggest staying alive very long because it's, it's weird. Woohoo! I'm a corn I'll do a corn maze for Halloween one time and like monsters jumped out of it. Tried to scare oh, me. no. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, it's a haunted corn maze. Yeah, that makes nice. a difference. Normal I, I, corn, I, though, is pretty weird, too. So, just saying. I watched a movie where Christopher Nolan, like, planted corn in the middle of a place that wouldn't have corn in colorado wow right right and then it had like ships and black holes and <laughs> tesseracts and all that stuff no pericoma though which was a little disappointing Damn. but yeah that is sad um, big bookcase so. yeah yeah big bookcases yeah, yeah uh did they say they may say happy birthday i don't know Oof. but anyways um i mean overall i think this is the episode i think represents what makes the twilight zone so special i think the fact that bill mummy was put into this predi- not really predicament because he was killed almost killed in the last episode that he was in which that's probably why he's so pissed off in this episode because he was killed off almost killed off off screen his grandmother was trying to kill him but there, there's a reason this episode, like is, episode. <laughs> yeah I, I know but there's a reason this episode is so beloved because you know bill mummy for all the intents and purposes is re- actually really good in this episode. Like the, the amount of weight he has on his shoulders to play an asshole, even though he apparently was not an asshole as a kid. Um, it's gotta be very difficult. And, uh, in the episode, Cloris Leachman is a okay with me, I guess if you guys agree. I mean, the, the rest of the actors outside of Dan, like, you know, they were all, they, they, they played the role of, you know, scared shitless adults very well. But I think yeah. like the 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 guy that played uh, Dan. I mean, at near the end there, he was so desperate. I mean, he was actually like like throwing spit all over the place. Like he right. was foaming at the mouth almost. His fucks were given. Yes. Yeah. He He's like no fuck more. the brandy. I'm gonna tell you what I think, kid. No more to give. <laughs> exactly. I- I'm actually kind of happy that he got put in the cornfield because now the brandy stole. Like you know, the, where the rum gone? This guy fucking destroyed all the rum. Now they have four bottles left. Now he's yep. just a jack in the box in a cornfield. <laughs> yeah. Blowing in the wind. <laughs> just dust um, in the wind. Dude. Good in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I said, it's an episode that is well beloved by a lot of people. It is number the third episode. It's actually when TV is it TV guy. It's TV guy. Yeah, TV guy ranked it uh number 31 in their hundred greatest episodes um of course they have three episodes and they're like time enough at last and uh monster doing maple street uh i guess the opening narration of this episode is sampled and threatened by michael jackson um, I can see that. it's what invincible uh sampled by oh. michael jackson and threatened uh song from 2001 and of course it was uh remade in the 80s as well as a sequel like episode with bill mummy as an adult uh treehouse of horrors i, I mean it, that. what's that 
It's an interesting episode. 80, I, I remember, the 80s, no, it's the 80s the two, series. It's 2003, oh, I think, it came out. It's an interesting episode. I don't remember a lot about it. Um, I must have watched it at some point, but because I think they do actually show like a cornfield at that point, or they do at some point. What's it called? Them, it's it's the, it's still a good life. Yeah, Cloris Leachman's actually in that episode too. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, if you guys have both watched Black Mirror, this was uh, an episode that was inspiration for USS Callister, which is one of the most terrifying things I've ever watched with uh, Fat Matt Damon in it. Whatever his Fat name Damon? is, yeah, Fat Damon. Fat Damon. Mary, married um, to Kirsten Dunst. Here, uh, shit. If you hadn't said that, because that, that's just <laughs> that's so bad. That, they call him Fat Damon, but it's kind of true. He's not fat, but he, he actually turned Stocky Damon. Like, Jesse Plemons has turned into like a Jesse really Plemons, good actor. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he is a good actor, and I hate that people they they call him, but that shit that's funny. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, have you seen the USS Callister I have episode? Oh, it's so good. It's what would happen if a guy created a video game. And he used the DNA, spit DNA of like a lollipop to imprison clones yeah. into this virtual reality video game oh. of people that he knew from the 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 world <laughs> he worked in. It's it's awesome. It's like one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen. So it really is um, called "It's Still a Good Life." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. thought you guys were joking, like no. making some like I still know what you did last summer jokes. <laughs> it really it's called it's right here. It's on YouTube. It's still a good life. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. watch that. Twenty. It's only twenty minutes long. And his his daughter, his real life daughter, is his daughter in this episode. Nice. Just from the thumbnail that just shows a clip of it, it's very two thousands. Oh yeah, super. Just like that one episode we watched of the uh, the remake of uh... Chaser. No, the one with the soldiers. Oh, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, passerby. passerby. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was no. so 2000s. <laughs> how you how you know that? By the music. Oh yeah, it is. The music is what yeah. did it. I mean, yeah, the right. acting and the way the kid, the the, the characters looks and everything, but still, yeah, it's like yeah, sort of fucking um, Dawson's Creek or something. Dawson <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pacey jumps out and yeah. Dawson's like, ah, right. Oh, it's a party. Um, yeah, exactly. But Seven with that heaven, said, bitches. Oh my god. And I stop you guys. Party of five. Uh, anyways, uh, Melrose. <laughs> Nine zero two one zero. Okay. So with that said, uh, I think we all agree it's a pretty good episode. So Jacob, his with yeah. that uh, amazing closing narration. <clears throat> oh, for sure, for sure. This is this is small potatoes. Compared. You got to do it with uh, some two thousands music in the background. I don't know. Pick a song. Uh, throw some Creed. Here we go. No comment here. No comment at all. We only wanted to introduce you to one of our very special citizens, little Anthony Fremont, age six, who lives in a village called Peaksville, in a place that used to be Ohio. And if by some strange chance you should run across him, you had best think only good thoughts. Anything less than that is handled at your own risk. Because if you do meet Anthony, you can be sure of one thing. You have entered the Twilight Zone. Anthony Fremont lives in a village down, down by, by, by the river. river. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, but in all honesty, that is like a great way to close it because he's like, I just wanted to show you this kid. I didn't really have anything else to say. This kid's an asshole. He I'll show you that there are universes the out there that are fucked up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> this altered dimension where we have dinosaurs and 
three uh three headed gophers and yeah you gotta be careful there will be no rum left so i don't know it's it's pretty crazy to think about maybe this I, episode I will say i thought i do want to say that the kid in this one once again this is in comparison to the 80s one but the kid in this one seemed mean he seemed just evil in this one kind of somewhat at least he seemed just just bad yeah the one in the newer one he seemed he didn't seem bad he seemed like oh he's got good but he's dealing with bad people because it did portray like his family or the people he had assembled as his family we found they're not all really his family they weren't very good people yeah yeah and maybe he was doing bad things but he seemed like a good kid doing bad things because he had the ability to and they were bad people and this one it seems like these are good people and he's the bad one <laughs> so it's kind of like True. i don't know if that goes into the whole thing about how hey you raise shit kids you end up with shit people and that's what he's become or is becoming i don't know but i did notice that you actually sympathize with the kid in the other one because his parents and his or his this family he's put together and created is just kind of shitty yeah. they're not very good people like the sister everybody's just kind of shitty i mean yeah he's doing some fucked up things but they're just shitty people. So you, I think that goes a long way in making you feel more for him. But that also goes into the end of the the newer one where it does have a, a bit more hopeful ending. And the kid is, you know, you, you're supposed to connect with him. And that's the whole thing with the teacher saying, hey, you guys are assholes. He's just a kid. Yeah, he's doing bad. And you need to sit the fuck down, kid. But he's not bad. This one, I don't think they could have ended it that way because if they had had a similar thing happen where everybody else is gone and he's left with one person and he's like, oh, I want to be a good boy. You would have been like, nah, (laughs) you're a fucking monster. I mean, he (laughs) said it in the opening narration. This kid's a fucking monster. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I think too that like you get what you give, like the the reflection of of the way he was, quote, raised in the 80s one kind of reflected on him as far as what he did in response to all these terrible things. Mm hmm. Or the way that they were. Right. I am. That's why I'm interested to watch the sequel because I want to see. You said that Bill Mummy's in it. Yeah, he's so he's the the dad, and his daughter has is more powerful than he is. Sam, curious to see like how we simp if we do or do not sympathize with him as he's gotten older. So I'm and sure. honestly, I don't remember. Like I remember watching the episode at one point. I don't think I've ever seen it actually. I I I don't remember anything about the episode. Just yeah. the fact that he was in it as an adult, and you're thinking. How the hell did he make it to an adult? <laughs> but good anyway. Times. So yeah, so that's uh season three, episode eight. It's a good life. Uh popular it's episode. A good life after all. Anyway, so with that said, uh, let's go ahead and head into the last uh, portion of this episode or yeah, this podcast, which is called the Twilight Zone Rankings List. Uh, everybody loves a good ranking list, especially ours, which is perfect. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hey <laughs> uh, you're a very bad podcast yeah i know uh anyway so uh all right where do we want to put this number no we're not doing number three shop trip number three uh number 72 number three i will say like walking into this like i appreciate this episode but like uh-huh. with a lot of these episodes that are like you know quote favorites you do i think you do hold them to a little higher standard and when you watch them you kind of go yeah it's good but it doesn't live to the hype you know as sometimes happens with them but the more we've talked the more i kind of you know have changed my thoughts a little bit on it so definitely top 22 oh yeah without doubt 
I think I think better than fourteen. I only say fourteen because we were there last week. So is this a top ten episode, do you guys? Because of what we've talked about, I, I think so. And I mean, just given the history of it. Well, no, I mean, but throwing the history out the window, I mean, do you think it's no. a top ten episode? Like, it, like the list has to be like our honest feel of this episode. No, like, no, you're, you're not right. what other people say. Like that's why we don't have uh, time enough at last at like number two because we don't feel that's like a, one of the greatest episodes of all time. Like most people do. I mean, it's still true. number seventeen, but yeah, but still, it's not you know number three or whatever. <laughs> I mean, when we when we go top ten, we're looking at stuff like "Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up," "Shadow Play," yeah. "Purple Testicle," "Stop It," "Will It Be," "Walking Distance," "Obsolete Man," uh, "Number One," which is I... "Monsters Do It," "Maple Street." Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned before that we're gonna nightmare as a child up this this bitch, but I would. I don't know if I can do top ten, but I don't think it needs. To, I don't think you want it to go you know below say 15 or 16 like i, I mean I, I think this is a better episode than nick of time i'll give it that but there's like a world of his own which i don't know well and we're always going to run into one or two of those episodes regardless of where we go with that you know talk about this every week yeah <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's per chance to dream jacob's all right with it 22 <laughs> exactly I, I mean i i think i think around i think between 11 and 15 would be where i would kind of start but that's me. How about you, Dick? Uh, I mean, fuck, I don't know. Is it better than the silence? Is it better than the grave? It's better than the God cornfield. Damn. Is it better better than the rum gone? I mean, <laughs> the really, this is where I'm looking at. I'm looking between the grave and nick of time. I mean, right where Trip said, like Nightmare of the Child, nick of time, world, zone, the grave. But I mean, I don't know. Do you feel like it should be a top ten episode? Jacob? Yes. Really? Interesting. I'm not offended if it doesn't. Well, but no, but like, where would me, you put it? I mean, if we were to go top 10, five. I don't think I would go higher than Shadow Play, but number five? I could see putting it between, between or around like, like, yeah, I was going to say, I could see, I could see putting it around like Willoughby or Testament. But I don't know. It's weird because like, I watched that. I really liked this episode. And you say, uh, oh, put it in the fifth highest episode ever i mean like, yeah you're, you're talking about above obsolete man that's that's well that's what i'm saying it's like i i hear that and i'm like uh, i don't know if it i really liked it but is it number five but then i look at what's around it and i'm like i did like it now, i mean i like all these episodes but i liked it more than a stop at willoughby okay um walking distance i liked it I think I liked it more than that. It's been so long since I've seen this one. That one. That's yeah. Like that was like a, that was like episode five of the whole series. Yeah. yeah, and that was a good episode. Obsolete man. I mean, that's they're they're just very different episodes. I liked Obsolete man. I just thought that explosion scene was really messy. But <laughs> that aside, I think maybe I think that had more to that that had more meat on the bones than this. So I'd, I mean, myself personally, I'd probably be like eh, seven. Seven, between seven and nine, nine that that area so but i mean like i better, said if it, if it was around testament? i think the acting in purple testament takes it a long way and like the little moments in purple testament are what's so great but as far as just the story itself i don't know man no i mean then yeah, abs does push people off a off a bridge <laughs> in that one so well it's not even just that it's like the whole the economy going on like how they 
more or less know they're going to their death and they do involve yeah i think the purple testament probably had more meat on its bones too maybe shadow but probably more like a nine or ten see i'm working myself up uh yeah it feels like uh you guys would you about, put like, this like 11 or 12. above nightmare as a child yeah probably I mean i'd rather watch that than or this than that that's for damn well sure. yeah i kind of yeah. figured it's <laughs> Agreed. I think Nightmare as a Child has more to say, but I mean, Nightmare as a Child has more to say than a lot of episodes. So I can't really totally float it on that, but I liked it more than Nick of Time. Now, that one I can straight up say I liked it more than Nick of Time. Yeah. I mean, if we're going that route, I think I would put it like below Shadow Play, but above Nick of Time, somewhere in that route. I would put Real Martian above it just because personally, but that's me. That's fine. I mean, I'm not saying it has to be in 10. This is not one I'm like, no, this has to be top 10. <laughs> it's like, And as you saw, as I sat there and talked myself out of it and worked myself way up, that's why, like, number five, I said number five originally, but I was like, yeah, that just doesn't sound right. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm okay. I'm cool with, uh, which one did you say? Will the real Martian? Yeah. I would say below, for me personally, I would I would put it, like, between below Martian and Night... Uh, uh, yeah, I'd put it between Nightmare and Martian. Oh, okay. So ten and eleven. I mean that I'm I'm a okay with that, as long as it's under twenty two. <laughs> <laughs> and realistically, after talking, yeah, I'm in that twelve area. Right there is where I, f- I feel like this fits in there. So between Martian and Nightmare as a Child, or between Nightmare as a Child and Nick of Time, I go with between Nightmare and Nick of Time. But I'm not a I'm not offended by one up. At real Martian and uh, Nick of Time, I'm good with that. I'm good in that whole area right there. I'm not gonna like go to yeah. war. He's going to I war, think, people. I think Nightmare and Nick is a good place for it because they're all good. These are all good episodes. Wait, what are you saying, yeah. Trev? You say I'm a nightmare? Yes. Is what you're saying? Yes. What do you mean you nightmares? Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know where I was going with you that. Anyways, uh, no idea, here, Nick. <laughs> I mean that's fine. Nick, like I said, it's Nick, you know, yeah. I mean it, it's an important Nick, episode. Nick. It's an episode that definitely tries to tries to uh, to entertain, but also tries to be unique. And I think it almost succeeds. I think it, you know, it's it's an episode that maybe it overrated slightly compared to. You know, a lot of a lot of episodes, I guess, uh, when it comes well, to what isn't you popularity. Know, yeah, I mean, outside of the season four of the original Twilight Zone, what episode to some extent isn't overrated? Like right. that's just something has been around for that long. It's hyped to oblivion just because it's like it's oh, it's the original Twilight Zone. You know, that's just yeah. part of its that's part of its blessing and curse. Right. It doesn't take away from being. It doesn't take away from it not being a good episode. Oh just, no! When you go into something that's so beloved, it's like any movie, TV show. You know, a lot of people will go, you, "You think that was like the greatest thing ever?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, to me it is, but maybe to not you." But yeah, I think I think that works. So yeah, we'll put it uh, right underneath Nightmare as a Child, above Nick of Time. Is that right? Is that yeah. what we picked? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. There you go. Bow, bow, chicka, bow, bow. Um, okay. So with that said, uh, yeah. So we'll do that. New number 12. It's a good life. Number one. So I, the beholder, number 73, trouble with Templeton. 
we're getting into some uh, fun territory in the next episode, which of course is seven season three, episode nine, Death's Head Revisited, uh, directed by Don Medford, mm. written by Rod Sterling. This is apparently a much better version of uh, that U Boat episode. Um, <laughs> Judgment Night. Judgment Night. Apparently, this is a considered one of the one of the great Twilight Zone episodes. That's really dark and disturbing. Ah, nice. Uh, but Oscar Beregi Jr. stars Joseph Schildkraut is also starring Ben Wright. People I don't know. I don't know any of these people. Um, so we'll, we'll find out. It's supposed to be really good for right here. And uh, yeah, that'll do it. That'll be our take on It's a Good Life. So with that said, we're going to head out. Jacob Triv, awesome as always. Woo-hoo. You know, uh, we do things. We say things. We mean all of it and everything. So if we say we hate kids, then we definitely hate kids. We do things really. we say things. That's right. Uh, Trip, you have a theater you're getting ready to hand over to me. Uh, no. Before you do that, give me your uh, give me your wares and where you put things on that theater. No. So I'd rather wish my I'd rather wish it into a cornfield. Well, for the time being, I get your theater right. No, you don't. You have your movie. <laughs> you have your bikini emporium. Your uh, your other your your porn emporium, and then you have your movie emporium. Pleasure emporium. Whatever. I want the I want the world emporium. No, you can't have that. That's mine. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can find me on the YouTubes out in a cornfield. Uh, new stuff is coming, so stay tuned. Excellent. Good. Jacob. Yes. You you have regular content now. I that do. content is actually quite good, but where can you find that good content? You can find me on YouTube, Jacob Andrews Reviews, and at RetroJakeXY, where currently I am doing a five-part five part series on the uh history or not history the story of the sega dreamcast and uh i am as of this recording or is this recording being released there are four parts out and the fifth and final one is coming soon and then after that there'll be a big one that has some differences from all the other ones so a little bit of new stuff there. But yeah um there's that uh i do movie reviews here there as well but yeah check that out I want people to check those out. The uh, they they if you're close to the recording of this or the release of it, those come out on Fridays at twelve o'clock Central Time. Excellent. A good time of day. That's right. And a damn fine uh, sequ- or a damn fine uh, series you got going. Thank you. Thank this you. is true. It is true. Uh, but yeah, my my content is of course at Movie Emporium where this video is also posted. Yay. Audio feeds, Anchor, SoundCloud, Chrome, Cornfield Tree danger flux capacitor 1.21 gigawatts also what? itunes and google play i'm just looking at things i have in my apartment uh oh, schindler's Lord. list <laughs> poster uh cat sleeping on my recliner that time uh, yeah so anyways uh but yeah rate subscribe you know you know how this works we definitely want the the views and subscriptions and stuff like that so one day we can actually get paid for this type of thing but until then we do it for free for you people we'll turn you into awesome. jack in the boxes if you don't yeah, we'll, we'll send you the cornfield if you don't pay us. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, so anyways, with that said, uh, we're going to head out. And for myself, Jacob, and Triv. Uh, for myself, Jacob, and Triv. She's a cashew. My, my, <laughs> for myself, Triv, cashew, Jacob, and his eyeball. We'll see you guys next time in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> He's out, motherfucker. Oh, my God. Oh, my God.